everyone, and welcome to episode 211 of the MTG Goldfish Podcast. It's Seth, probably better known as Saffron Olive, and we have the full crew this week, starting off with the owner of MTG Goldfish, Richard. How's it going today, Richard? It's going well, Seth. What's up? Uh, I'm excited. We actually have a lot to talk about this week. Last week was a little quiet. We did our fun commander show, but this week we actually have a big amount of news to get to, so it's going to be fun to talk about. Before we do, we also have with us content creator extraordinaire Krim. What's up, Krim? <laughs> it's quite a title you've given me there. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing much. Uh, just excited to talk about well, all those things that you'd mentioned, because a lot has happened in this past week. Yeah, so the plan for today, and we had a bunch of different topics. Our main topics, uh, first off, we had a teaser trailer for War of the Spark, our last set of Ravnica block, quote-unquote, since we don't really have blocks anymore, but the final set of our Return to Return to Ravnica that's coming up in a little over a month now. So we're going to talk about that. We have a pro tour coming up this weekend in Cleveland, so we're going to kind of preview the pro tour, talk a little bit about where Standard is at heading into the pro tour based on uh, GPs this weekend, Magic Online, Arena Results, whatever. Also, we had a kind of unique banning this past week, Nexus of Fate, but only in some parts of Standard. So we want to talk about that. And then we have a couple other topics, Guild Kits, uh, MSRP no longer being a thing that we'll get to if we have extra time before we get to Vishmail. So that's kind of the plan for today. Before we jump into it, though, a reminder that our show today is brought to you by SpikesAcademy.com, the world's first Magic the Gathering e-learning academy. They have some really neat courses from really awesome players like Paula Vito Demeterosa and Reed Duke, and you can uh, check them out over at SpikesAcademy.com and even get 10% off with the discount coupon code GOLDFISH. And to learn more, check out Spikes underscore Academy on Twitter. So thank you to Spikes Academy for supporting the show. And uh, with our sponsorship stuff out of the way, let's start off with a fun topic. Uh, have you guys seen the War of the Spark trailer? And uh, if so, what did you make of it? Yes, I watched a Saffron Olive first impressions video. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my first, Not only was it a first impressions video, that was my first ever first impression video. I, that's not, I've never done that kind of content before. So that was, that was fun different I, I think he led me astray on some of the planeswalker predictions i don't know i'm gonna have to type some angry youtube comments <laughs> i was like, that, he's yeah. like is that card i'm like it's not card what do you what, what the, like, clearly not card <laughs> yeah there's one i was like that's that looks like a, a troll thing is there a troll playing walker it's over it's like no that's a johnny i was like oh that's a troll thing a johnny that's pretty far off <laughs> uh seth being the troll but uh yeah the the trailer's pretty sweet so it's basically a spire it's been a while that i forgot but it's basically like a tower with stained glass on the outside and you're zooming in and we're rotating around and you see outlines of a bunch of planeswalkers and then finally uh you zoom in close and then you see three planeswalkers in full sight and then it says for the spark yeah well actually yeah Spooky. you zoom in on the three planeswalkers and then it zooms inside the building and you see a bunch of candles, candles and the candles start blowing out until there's just one candle left and then you see the war of the spark and the candle smoke makes like bolus horns which is pretty cool i was impressed by the quality of the spoiler uh and i didn't talk to it about it too much 
in my impressions video, but Wizards has had some, like, meh advertising in the past, at least in my opinion. Sometimes it comes across a little, like, amateurish, but this time I saw this, I was like, wow, this looks like a really professional video or trailer, and it's something that, even if you didn't really know Magic, it just looked good enough and cool enough that maybe it would draw you in if you just saw this on YouTube or as an advertisement somewhere, so I was impressed with the quality of it. What did you think of it, Crib? Oh, well, first off, uh, when I saw, like, just pull it back a little bit, that stained glass part where you got to see all the planeswalkers, I, I had chills. And then when I saw, like, and Richard mentioned when the, the candles blew out and they formed the bolus horns, that, that was when I was, oh, <laughs> I was throwing things around my room with, like, with joy. I was like, that's what I'm talking about. Uh, and like, you know, like, like you had mentioned, the cinematics of it has just, wow. It yeah. really wowed me. Um, I, I could not, I could not contain the joy I had. I mean, I'm, I'm still, I, I've been talking about it like nonstop about a, a Magic the Gathering movie, but that's, that's a whole other thing. So <laughs> yeah, that, that's the yeah. feeling I got from this. And I don't know what Wizards is doing, but they, I hope they live up to expectations because it feels like it's like an Avengers esque movie, right? Like the, the way they set it up, yeah. it feels like, 30 planeswalkers are coming down and Bolas is going to rumble. And I hope it's like that. And it's not just a story with like three planeswalkers and they just happen to be in this chapel. <laughs> so the way, so- the way they spun it up, it <laughs> seems like civil war, you know, so- something's happening and there's going to be a big battle. So yeah. we'll, we'll see where it goes. <laughs> New, Bolus is gonna have a, a gauntlet. <laughs> Actually, I, I I was hoping they'd throw a little like a uh, a little tidbit in there. You hear like Optimus Prime's like Autobots roll out or something, but no. Oh, <laughs> Hasbro. Like they, they I mean, that is Hasbro, right? It's, it's Hasbro. It's more of the spark. You know, Optimus just comes in. Like that'd be so sweet. <laughs> Speaking. I mean, we had that that crossover, right? The the Comic Con or whatever the exclusive set, the the Transformers yeah, Magic yep. cards. We this is this we, is it. We this need one set. that's not silver bordered. We need a black bordered yeah. one. Uh, we don't we don't want Transformers in Black Border Magic. I don't. At least I don't want Transformers in Black Border Magic. Although interestingly, uh talking about movies and stuff, this wasn't on our topic list, but it probably should have been. Actually a lot happened this week, but they had a bunch of news that came out at the Toy Fair this week, and one little tidbit that didn't really make a lot of sense to me until we were having this conversation is that Arena uh, Hasbro is going to report it under their entertainment and licensing segment rather than a game segment, which, I mean, Ooh. maybe you're reading too much into it, but that would, I don't know, suggest that they're treating it as something they're going to license and maybe they're making the movie and stuff like that. So I don't know. That little bit of tidbit is kind of interesting uh, in the context of this conversation, I think. So uh, as far that, as no. as far as the set yeah. itself, uh, the rumor that I have heard from people and obviously it's rumors, it's people talking, there's nothing confirmed, but uh, it seems like where the spark is going to be Planeswalker theme. The rumor I've heard is that we're going to see actually every Planeswalker in that video in the set, and that kind of lines up with something Mark Roder, uh, Rosewater said on his blog that this was art from the set and they made it look stained glass, but I actually think we're going to have 36 Planeswalkers in War of the Spark, and we're going to see Planeswalkers uh, at the rare, uh, different rarities down at rare. Maybe we get an uncommon Planeswalker, whoa, but I think what whoa. what Dominaria Who? was to Who? Legends, I think is War of the Spark for Planeswalkers. Whoa. Tybalt. <laughs> 
Tibble. Wait, do you think they're all be planeswalkers, or are we gonna get like Gideon as like a two-two common or something? Like how how can you have thirty-six planeswalkers I mean, I, in a set? That's gonna be insane. Yeah, I if, think they're just, there's gonna be planeswalkers that lose their spark. I, th- I believe oh, that. So like that would be so. This is sweet. how you write out the the gate watch, right? Like you say, like Gideon, Jace, because I know people are like, yeah, we're tired of seeing these planeswalkers, so let's. Make put them back to being creatures or something like that. That would be and it's like a two-two Gideon with first strike, and then you like fatal push him. And you're like, get out of my story! Like, <laughs> wow. I mean, <laughs> that sort of lines up with the trailer too, where we saw all the sparks, the candles, like literally going out. So I think, I mean, flavor-wise, it also lines up. We have like the immortal sun and uh, Nicole Bolas trying to get rid of all these planeswalkers. So I think it lines up lore-wise as well, and with the trailers. So I'm pretty hyped. What do you think of the idea, assuming that these rumors and all this stuff we're piecing together is right, what do you think of the idea of a planeswalker theme set, where we're having all these planeswalker characters and all this crazy planeswalker stuff going on? Like, uh, what do you think of that idea? I really like it. Limited is about to be a long... Limited is about to be crazy. (laughs) I mean, is it crazy? If everyone has a bomb, does anyone have a bomb? So... (laughs) But, but like, these bombs are, like, it's just like a way different style of play. I think that'd just be bonkers, right? Like, <laughs> but does that mean like, like Heroes Downfall gets like reprinted at Uncommon or something like that? <laughs> I, I feel like Krim was onto something with creatures. I feel like they're going to make some story stick. Like, you know, Bolas has shackled these five planeswalkers and they've lost their abilities. So now they're like three threes and two twos and stuff. So I feel like if this is the way we'll get creatures or I, I don't know, like maybe someone gets turned into an artifact or something. Depends on how many people they want to kill off because anyone who gets the status right. is going to die. And I mean, we do I have think... some context historically of uh, characters having legendary creature cards and planeswalker cards like Venser Teferi. has been creatures to fairy <laughs> has been a creature. Uh, Narset is another one. So maybe they're going to have a lot of these characters in non planeswalker form is a interesting possibility or at least some of them. Tibble coming I, back as a I, I would love to see that. And then I'd love to see like Urza maybe return and like be the la- the only planeswalker or something. <laughs> no, <laughs> I mean, no. What, what's, what's gonna happen? <laughs> Emrakul's gonna show up and slap Bolas around. Oh, man. <laughs> like, no. wait, wait, no. Phyrexians, Nickel Bolas, best buy to the Eldrazi. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that that almost sounds believable. Like the last year to half a standard was just like a dream, and we're still still back on Innistrad, and there's an Emrakul destroying things. And, <laughs> way to go, Wizards! Good twist, good twist. <laughs> you got us. <laughs> uh, I think. Uh, I would think a Planeswalker-based set would be incredibly popular. So I'm expecting this set to be really huge just because as much as people sometimes grumble about the power level of Planeswalkers, uh, in standard and competitive formats, whatever, people love Planeswalkers. They are incredibly powerful. We sell Planeswalker decks because people love Planeswalkers so much. So I think if it really is a Planeswalker-themed set, I expect this set to be absolutely huge just based on like casual uh demand and people just loving that theme so i'm really hyped i think it's going to be really interesting to see how it shakes out and i hope they do it i hope we have 36 planeswalkers i hope it doesn't destroy standard or limited and they can figure out a way around uh, having like could you imagine like 36 to fairies in standard oh my god (laughs) that would i i I see that if this were true i wouldn't see it as 36 to fairies i'd see it as 36 tibolts (laughs) just a bunch of 
really bad planeswalkers where they're a liability. Like if you plus, they're a liability. Well, they they promised we would learn more at PAX East, which is the end Ooh. of March. So I think that that's maybe when we'll start seeing spoilers with the big PAX event. And then the set itself comes out. Uh, pre-release is the end of April, uh, actually attached to a GP, which is kind of interesting. So we should know more roughly a month from now, six weeks from now. We'll start to actually get more information, but based on the teaser trailer, I'm more hyped now than I was before seeing the trailer, which, uh, like I said, hasn't always been the case with Wizards advertisement. Sometimes it's like, eh, I don't know, that's fine, but this one was actually really good, so I'm hyped. It's going to be sweet. This is kind of my concern, though, because of how much like speculation there is on how there's going to be a bunch of planeswalkers. If it isn't that, I, I you know, <laughs> I'm almost going to be kind of let down. So like, instead of hyping it up for myself, I'm just going to be like, you know, it, it could be, it could be anything. Yeah, it's going to be great. It turns out it's the set actually... where they reset the power level of standard. And no one wants yes, it. It's, it's great. <laughs> Return to Dragon's Maze. Everyone will love yes. it. Yes. <laughs> just uh, a complete like a curveball. You thought you were going to have planeswalkers, but it's it's not even close. <laughs> well, let's move on from future standard in order this park and uh, talk a little bit about current standards. So this weekend, uh, Magic Fest slash Mythic Championship slash GP slash Pro Tour Cleveland, whatever you want to throw in there, it's happening in Cleveland this weekend. It's standard. It's limited. Uh, what are you guys expecting at this event? So first off, give us a little taste of where standard is right now, and then give me some uh, Pro Tour predictions. Is there anything that you're looking at that maybe will break out by surprise, uh, a sleeper, some sort of underdog decker card? So uh, what do you guys prepare uh what are we preparing for for this weekend and what are you expecting this weekend i've played zero games of standard since the new set released no no i lie i lie i i at least had a couple days where i was lighting up the stage and uh playing some model red oh richard why (laughs) but uh i i haven't played any standard i don't know what's going on aside from just reading people on both sides of the nexus of fate argument um, <laughs> is there limited at this at this pro tour, or is this the one where we've cut it? There is. There are three rounds of limited, and then five rounds of constructed standard. So pretty much a traditional pro tour setup. All right. So that's what I'm looking forward to, since I've been playing a lot of draft on arena. So uh, <laughs> what it, what is your rank, Richard? I hit you, I hit I hit mythic rank? right before this podcast. Ooh. Ooh, congrats. That's pretty sweet. Trying to trying to brush off the filthy casual on me a little bit, you know. Are you, are you trying <laughs> to qualify for the PAX East event? Is you, that what you've you, been doing you behind cannot. the scenes? <laughs> you cannot with in. the limited route, right? As, as far as I know. No, yeah, it's it's constructed. Oh, it's, you should be lighting up the stage, trying to get to Boston or whatever. There's only yeah. so much lighting up the stage you can do before you get bored. <laughs> so, uh, Crim, what is our current standard like? What would you consider the best acts, the pillars of the format right now, a week before the Pro Tour? Well, right now, uh, about everyone is... Uh, on that mono blue game plan right now. Mono blue, Sultai, uh, those are e- extremely popular. And because like of mono blue, I've seen uh, an uptick in like, you know, you either white weenie or Azorius aggro, whichever one, the, the what mono white weenie at the, at the core of the deck, some white aggro deck has been, uh, I've been seeing a lot of that. Um, and you know, I, 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 with the, with the way the pro tour is now and how much time we have until the pro tour and like how much information is out there, I don't see, like any new like 
random archetypes coming out of the standard right now, but I do imagine a Guildgate deck. I, I, I think a Guildgate deck is going to be somewhere <laughs> in high numbers at day two. There will be a more refined list, whether it will be with Nexus or without, who knows. I mean, uh, Grand Prix Memphis happened this past weekend, and there was a Simic Nexus deck that top-aided. So, like, maybe they just shave all the guild gates and, you know, bant as a whole, just chop the white, and then just play blue-green. So, uh, I, I could see a lot of that, but Rakdos Midrange also just won Memphis, and that looked like a really interesting list. I played against a lot of Rakdos on the ladder last night. <laughs> a lot of Rakdos. And they are grindy games when I'm on Esper. <laughs> oh, boy. Are they grindy. Richard, you'd love it. It's Jund. It's Jund. It's Jund. You just chop green. Without the green. <laughs> That's 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 yeah, how good you, red and black are now. You don't even need green. That's actually true in modern. I mean, well. have you casted a Tarmogoyf in like two months? Like months? No, you. Who needs to cast Tarmogoyf? So, <laughs> I think I think for me heading into the event, the kind of for me the pillars of the format. We have Saltai mid range, which is probably the best deck if you had to just take one deck, uh, at least the most played deck. The GP this weekend kind of backed that up. The new like hotness is definitely Mono Blue Tempo, which if you look at the number from the GP this weekend, not only was it heavily played, but it kind of overperformed as far as uh, conversion rates, getting into top 32, getting into day two. So it seems like that's kind of the hot new deck. And then you have, as you mentioned, white-based aggro. And then I think uh, wilderness reclamation decks are still, they're still there. And based on hearing the conversation of pros and people on Twitter, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of work is going into building the perfect Wilderness Reclamation deck, because I feel like if you can figure that deck out, it probably is the most broken card in standard, but it's not the easiest deck to get right and fight the meta with. And then I think Gates will show up as well. Is it Drake's? Uh, Mono Red has kind of been on a downswing, which is a little bit surprising, perhaps. And then, as far as surprise decks, I don't know if we'll see any brand new decks. That kind of seems unlikely to me. I think, as you mentioned, we'll see a lot of tuning of decks, best versions of decks we know, but I do think that we'll see some decks that are pretty underplayed right now. You mentioned Rakdos did really well at this GP. That's not a top-tier deck by any stretch. Uh, various angel-based decks are kind of floating beneath the surface. Uh, Mardu Aristocrats. So there are a lot of decks that Maybe if you're just kind of casually following standard, maybe you haven't even seen them yet. If you're not grinding all the time, playing all the time. Uh, so I think maybe some of those decks, uh, sneak up and surprise people. Maybe someone figures out the best version of something like that, or even like mono green. There's a new mono green pelt collector biogenic ooze deck that is, uh, kind of starting to show up a little bit in standard. So I think that those will be the new decks, not like, oh my goodness, we've never thought of this before, but those decks that maybe they have one five oh finish on magic online someone in the pro community figures it out and just does really well with it yeah i i 100 agree with that that definitely feels like the way it's gonna go i i and like much like you said if there's a wilderness reclamation deck and it and it comes out of this like fine-tuned it's gonna be broken it's gonna be a monster uh <laughs> gonna be kind of hard to deal with <laughs> so uh crim where's your control decks at now how are you feeling about esper i know it didn't have a great weekend and maybe you could even argue that uh, it's been replaced by Mono Blue as the best control deck in the format, if you want to consider Mono Blue a control deck. Uh, how do you feel about Esper going into the Pro Tour? Is expecting a big weekend, or is it going to kind of be a second-slash-third-tier deck at the Pro Tour? I think now, with like how much Mono Blue and all this other stuff, like y you kind of can 
you can hate out. You know what you're hating out now. You know what you're preparing yourself for. Um, what you can actually do to really like hedge your matchup uh, percentages with mono blue on Esper. Uh, it's it's not much. I'm not playing isolate. That's for sure. <laughs> like, I'm not doing anything like that. <laughs> um, I I. I think that right now Esper is solid. I've had a very good run with it on the ladder, but the ladder versus the Pro Tour are two very different things. So uh, I I think I would like to say that Esper will show up though with like a more fine tuned way to beat Mono Blue. Like Mono Blue is is as you said the hotness right now, and because of that, it's Mono Blue. I think is going to have a mar- uh, like you know kind kind of a bounty on it, and everyone's going to be kind of head hunting for it. So I I personally would I I've been testing and preparing to beat mono blue. Yeah, and I think if you're playing on arena, I think that's doubly important because uh I think it's even overrepresented in digital because it's so cheap to put together when uh it's yeah. doing well in paper, but on arena, it's like the budget deck that you can get into without very many wild cards, which I think leads to even more people building it if they're trying to grind the ladder or whatever because that deck has like what four rares and and no mythics or something ridiculous i think it's just like tempest Jin is the only rare to your entire main deck <laughs> correct and oh i mean unless you sideboard entrancing melodies or you main deck some of those outside of that it's just tempest Jin. yeah so it's it's a really good budget option so definitely be prepared for it and oh man that deck annoys me so much i, I tweeted this over the weekend <laughs> but i think i personally get way more annoyed playing against mono blue than i do against nexus decks i would rather be nexus loop oh. than curious obsession with dive down oh boy does that drag drive me insane if you i don't get salty very often but mono blue oh boy that deck pushes me right to the edge i definitely can see like maybe like your eye twitching whenever like they counter you and you're like just trying <laughs> spell pierce of course you have a spell pierce they always have it they, al- they always have the turn two curious obsession and then they always yep. have the dive down or the spell pierce oh my goodness the luck of mono blue players <laughs> if i played it's like delver flipping in modern where if i try it it happens like 30% of the time, but my opponents is like 97% of the time. That's that's what I feel like with Curious Obsession in Mono Blue and Standard, so. I, I definitely have had that game, though, where like I go like Thought Erasure, and I see a hand like Curious Obsession, Curious Obsession, Dive Down, Wizard's Retort, and I just concede, go to the next one, and I'm like, <laughs> done, I'm, I'm, I don't want to. <laughs> uh, Alright, so before we move on to our next topic, give me one prediction for Mythic Championship Cleveland, I guess is the proper name now. Mm-hmm. MC1. <laughs> no, oh my God, the hashtag. No Nexus of Fate <laughs> on camera. Ooh. Because it's not good or because Wizards keeps those matches out of the feature match? Wizards area. will keep it out. So they will not show it until they need to. So, like, yeah, if it's the last round and you're figuring out if you can go to the top eight, they'll show it. But I feel that there will be a directive to not show Nexus of Fate at all. So, in the early rounds, you will not see it. Because I feel there's going to be a big arena push during this, and it's going to be super awkward when people are like, I want to play that deck I saw at the Mythic Championship, and then it's banned in Best of Ones. So I feel like, you know how Wizards always tries to make it look more diverse and things like that in the early rounds? Well, they're going to cut Nexus of Fate out of this picture, I feel. So even if they're doing really well, you're going to have to find out through social media and things like that, as opposed to watching coverage. I, you know what? I hope there's a ton of Nexus of Fate. <laughs> And then it gets banned the day after. Oh, you want to go in best of three as well, huh? <laughs> yeah, best. Of, I want to go in every way. So yeah, show as much Nexus of Fate as you possibly can, please. <laughs> uh, what What about you, Crib? Do you have a prediction for us? Um, prediction. 
I think when when Mono Red slides off the radar is when it finishes strong <laughs> at a Pro Tour. <laughs> it always goes that way, right? Like, Mono Red drops off, everyone's ready for it, everyone relaxes on the Mono Red, surprise, Mono Red <laughs> is back. We've lost again. It's, it's, it's the dredge of standard, huh? <laughs> It, it really is though. Like, it's like, how, how many times are we like, okay, Mono Red has, has, has had a sharp decline in popularity and then surprise, Pro Tour, whatever. Look at that. Mono Red won again. <laughs> All right. Let me get, let me get uh, my, let me get my account ready to grind into top eight mythic so I can show up and <laughs> crush people. <laughs> this, this is the week to do it. This is the week to do it. If it slipped off. All right. For my prediction, I think someone's going to break it with Wilderness Reclamation. That's, I feel like Wilderness Reclamation is breakable. I feel like so far we've seen like scattered attempts to really break Nexus of Fate by individual players, uh, putting up results, Todd Anderson, Ali Andrazi, people like that building good decks that are doing okay. But I really think when you get these pro teams mashed together in a room for a week or two, trying to break the format, I really think one of them is going to just break the format with a Wilderness Reclamation deck. And that's going to be the narrative coming out of the Pro Tour is, uh, is, ne- is Wilderness Reclamation, uh, possibly with Nexus of Fate, but is it too good for standard? So that's, I mean, maybe that doesn't happen. I guess hopefully that doesn't happen, but that's going to be my, my prediction for the Pro Tour. Someone breaks it with Wilderness These are Reclamation. the exact opposite predictions. One is like, okay, Wilderness <laughs> Reclamation. The other is like, light up the stage <laughs> yep. with like the deck that's known since the beginning of time so it'll be pretty interesting to see if the pros brewing together actually come up with something because it's been we've had a few pro tours where they're late now and i feel like that hurts the pros uh their ability to brew and come up with things is lessened because the community has so much time to do this now so it'll be interesting to see if they can uh pull a rabbit other hat for this pro tour well speaking of standard we got some surprise magic arena standard news uh so out of nowhere valentine's day there was no scheduled bnr announcement or anything article pops up on the mothership nexus of fate banned in arena standard which means best of one standard on magic arena uh so what are your guys' takes on this on this surprise banning? Uh, good, bad? Should they have went further and just banned Nexus everywhere? Uh, what do you think of having a split ban list between best of one and best of three? Uh, what's your take on this? I think it's good. I, I don't know about the particular mechanics of, of Nexus of Fate because I haven't played best of one for a while, but best of one is a different format than best of three. And because it is a different format, it feels weird to try to keep a, the same ban list between the two. Uh, in a similar way, like a 1v1 commander, uh, you know, deck is technically a multiplayer commander deck, but you have a separate ban list because the dynamics of the game are different. Uh, same with best of one versus best of three. So I am perfectly fine with them splitting it and it's better that way. Like if you did not play arena at all, and you only play Paper Magic, and you'd be like, why is my Nexus of Fate banned? Like, you could just sideboard and counter it or whatever, right? So I think it's a perfectly fine decision to split the ban list like that. Yeah, I, I 100% agree with that. Uh, two different formats, and they definitely need uh, di- separate ban lists. Uh, and, and also that like, was, like, the best Valentine's Day gift of all time. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I think I... I think they probably will have to have separate ban list eventually if they're going to support both formats. 
I don't know if they needed to do it now. Like, I feel like Nexus is a card that you could have banned everywhere, and you probably wouldn't have got a whole lot of complaints, because it's just so disliked. It seems almost like it would be a freebie to ban it. If anything, uh, normally when there's bannings, people get all, their feathers get ruffled, and they get all bent out of shape, but I don't know if that would happen with Nexus, because it is just maybe the most despised card that I can remember being in Standard for quite a while now. So, I, I think that that maybe in this case, uh, even though they probably will need separate ban lists eventually, maybe they could have just banned it everywhere. I think this is fine. Uh, I think banning it in best in one is fine. I dislike that it makes it a little harder for arena players to maybe get into the paper scene. Like, if you only play best of one on arena, then you show up at LGS and get Nexus looped, you're going to be like, wait, wait, that's banned in standard, right? What's going on here? So, I think that's a little awkward, but it's probably unavoidable over the long haul. It's yeah. probably much worse when you whip out your 15 extra cards designed <laughs> to crush your opponent's deck, and they're like, what? <laughs> like, why do you have that card that just turns off my deck? Cheating, yeah, cheating. So I, 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 don't, I don't buy that argument of the transition is weird, but I don't know. I, I feel... I see where you're getting, like, if they ban Nexus everywhere, like, no one really complains so they should do it, but at the same time, like, why touch paper magic when you don't need to, like, uh, that might affect Wilderness Reclamation deck that we want to see pop up, right? So, (laughs) the fact that they allow it, I think, is fine. I don't even think it needs to be banned in Vesta 1, like, when I played against it, it was fine, but, you know, whatever. Are you on red deck? I... (laughs) Yeah, I think I think they either you're they're dead or they loop me. Like, what do you want? Right? Like, I don't know. Right? I think they were gonna ban it in best of three, and then they saw my tweet about how I'm already writing a tweet about for when they ban Nexus, and they're like, eh, eh, let's just ban it in best of one. Maybe we can avoid this. This gets around what Seth said. Oh, it would be it would be pretty hilarious if they printed a card quote unquote so bad that it wouldn't show up in standard and then had to had to ban it in standard oh the irony is just so oh, so good so it's so wizards so i was hoping it would get banned anywhere just for the sake of that tweet but that's neither here nor there uh so uh have you been playing arena best of one crim i don't really play best of one to any meaningful extent have you been best of one and how much has this change actually impacted the meta so uh, I have played best of one, but I mean, right now my time is split about even with best of one and best of three. Uh, and I, I personally feel like best of one right now. I mean, I don't have to play like unmoored ego in the main deck anymore. So I don't have to like be worried about that, that card, that nexus card anymore. So it allows me to build my deck in a way where I can just in place of that unmoored ego, I could have that, I don't know, fourth, a uh, moment of craving or or another counterspell, another negate. Um, I don't have to play and build my deck in a way where I'm split and torn between beating control decks, mid-range decks, aggro decks, and, well, Nexus. So are you seeing mostly the same decks uh, for the most part, just minus Nexus decks? It's not like, oh, the format's brand new because Nexus is banned. It's pretty much the same stuff, just uh, with yeah. decks being slightly tweaked and no Nexus floating around? Yeah, it's just a lot of mono-red. <laughs> And like a lot of people lighting up the stage in best of one. <laughs> I've, I won't lie though. I mean, they in place of the, uh, Nexus like, and whatnot. They've, I've been seeing a ton of like Simic decks using, uh, wilderness reclamation and going off with the ooze army. So I've been seeing a lot of biogenic ooze. Yeah. That, it's I been mean, pretty cool. 
there are ways to still kind of use the the shell, the wilderness reclamation shell. Like you said, biogenic ooze, uh, expansion explosion, if you want to go into mm-hmm. Teamer. Uh, I've seen some people tweeting me March of Multitude stacks where they're using that as their big instant uh, payoff for wilderness reclamation. Uh, so maybe we'll just see like a development of a less loopy deck. I will say, I really hope they still fix the underlying problem of Nexus of Fate on Arena, like how the client handles loops. I feel like this buys them a bit of time because there's no other, like, obvious loop in the format right now, but uh, there oh, will but there be... Is. <laughs> is, well, there, what there is. is. What is the what is the <laughs> loop that we have? No other good uh, well, obvious loop, maybe. Uh, it's not an obvious one. It was, it was, like, trending for a bit, and it was, like, Caleb was playing a match, and both he and his opponent there was like three hostage takers and so one hostage taker would come down take the hostage taker with the hostage taker underneath it which would automatically come out and then eat the hostage taker and then that loop just kept happening and they couldn't take any game actions uh i i did see that you're right so the the o-ring so yeah that is basically (laughs) the o-ring loop so there are still some loops basically i hope wizard still finds a way to solve the problem over the long haul because there's always going to be something like this and if people want to grief you and make you sit there for two hours they're they're gonna find a way like there are ways that you can build your deck to do it so hopefully hopefully they still solve the underlying problem problem uh with the client dealing with those type of loops anyway uh any other thoughts on nexus slash arena before we move on to our our lightning round we have a few topics to hit up real quick please ban it in best of three as you said earlier i don't think any it's i've never seen so many people in unison just like thank you or yes please (laughs) you know like wow (laughs) uh we'll we'll see we'll see what the pro tour results are i mean i think if we end up with a extremely nexus heavy top eight who knows what'll happen although at this point what do we got two sets and then we're two rotation in the fall so you only got eight months seven months or something till rotation so maybe they just jace jason stoneforge got banned their last month before rotation so (laughs) that's, that's true that's true Anyway, uh, lightning round time. We have uh, three quick topics we were just going to hit really quickly before fish mail. So, number one, uh, Krim, you were telling us earlier a new product come out on Friday. Why don't you tell everyone uh, what release this past Friday in the Magic world? Um, I mean, for everyone that is, like, getting into Magic right now and wants to, like, you know, switch from Arena to Paper Magic or, you know, like, start picking up Paper Magic, uh, the Guild Kits. We already knew about the Guild Kits. They were released, though, on Friday, like, for sale to the public. And the guild kits are super awesome. The basics in there are amazing. Uh, they have the guild like, like logo around where, you know, like the mountain symbol is and all of that. And they actually have a lot of good cards in there. You, I think they're like about 20 bucks or something like that. And you get a ridiculous amount of like value. Also, if you're like an EDH player, there's lots of good like things in here. Like, uh, we have like all the signets and, and then you, and then you get like alternate art. So if you're a fan of promos, like there's a, like an alternate art Rakdos Lord of Riots. Uh, or Tesa, Tesa, Orzov, Scion, and all that, and that I, I personally just love it. I love the the value that comes in these, and you get like a. I mean, I also collect pins, so naturally I would love this. Uh, they come with the guild pins, so I the this got released this past week. 
Yeah, they they look pretty sweet, just looking over them. Uh, it's a lot of one-of type stuff, which is pretty typical of a pre-constructed deck, so it's not something like Challenger decks that you're just going to necessarily like pick up out of uh, the box and take to an F&M. They're not standard legal, all the cards either, although some of the cards are, but for just playing some casual games or adding to your Commander decks... I think in general, you get more than $20 of value out of probably all of these decks, just based on some of the the high-end cards that are in there. So it uh, doesn't seem like a bad way to just have some casual fun on the kitchen table or maybe get some sweet cards for your commander deck or whatever. 100% agreed. Like, it's it's sometimes, like, kind of difficult, like, just, like, wanting, like, a 25-cent card and then ordering it online because <laughs> then you, because, like, people won't send it unless you, like, you know, order at least, like, I don't know, five dollars worth or something like that, right? So, uh, these these guild kits though come with all those things that you'd want for EDH, like all the signets and all that stuff, like I'd mentioned earlier. Yeah, it seems like a fun product. So, well, that was topic number one. Number two, Wizards announced today MSRP going away, manufacturer suggested retail price. Uh, do you have any thoughts on this, either of you, and what this means? It's kind of like a weird announcement that it's not obvious at first glance why it matters or if it matters any thoughts on no msrp does this mean there's going to be a price increase in like product now or or so nothing has been announced from that i've been talking to some lgs owners finance types most of them seem to think that this is setting the stage for a price increase uh because basically without msrp uh wizards can increase the price that LGSs or whatever are getting product for from wholesalers. And then mm-hmm. the price increase would be something that the LGS would have to do or the individual retailers. And wizards can just be like, well, we don't have MSRP. That's, you know, you can sell it for whatever you want. So it might be a way for that to happen with wizards not having to officially raise the MSRP and look like the bad guy. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, as long as, as long as it's, I don't know. Does that does that help LGSs out? I guess that does, right? I mean, I think the no, because they could sell today. No one follows MSRP. Right? You, like, when was the last time you bought a booster box for one hundred forty dollars or something? Oh yeah, I guess that's they true. Just, I've never bought. Everyone that. just prices at whatever they want to price, but it gives you guidance on uh, when they release Modern Masters or Ultimate Masters or things like that. Their MSRP is higher than normal, so you know this thing is supposed to be more expensive. And what happens? And then players turn around and be like, yo, this set sucks. The MSRP is too high. There's no value in here, right? And then what happens is then it becomes like Iconic Masters where <laughs> the stores like discount it, right? So I think the whole lesson there is MSRP just makes people upset. <laughs> so like just cut it out and then the, the LGSs will find the right price level to sell it at given... Uh, you know, kind of the EV or what people are paying for this thing. The weird thing is like, what if you're a new store and you buy some guild kits? You're like, what is? what am I supposed to sell this at, right? Like, am I getting a discount from my distributor or not? Like, it's a little weird like that, but for like the established stores like Star City Games or Channel Fireball, they don't care, right? They, they just make their own prices anyway. So probably okay. I don't know if it means price increase though, but it. I feel like the only time this is relevant is for their new premium products. So expect a master set, even though they said master sets are done, uh, a master set equivalent coming soon. Because that's my guess as to where this will actually become relevant. And I think it does help with perception to some extent where 
Uh, if you see the MSRP, we had some master set where the MSRP is whatever, $280 or something. And the normal price that they were sold for is like $240, but they ended up selling for like $110. And I think that looks bad and it like reinforces the idea that the set is bad and the product is bad because, uh, if it wasn't bad, why would it be selling for so far below MSRP? So I think it, there are some benefits on that end as well, even if the prices don't change. So I don't know. Uh, it's a hard thing to figure out. I don't have any solid like, oh my god, this is horrible, or oh, this is great. Uh, I don't, I don't know what to think. It's interesting though. So before I move to fish mail, I have one surprise topic that I didn't uh, put on the list. So you guys are gonna give me your very first initial reaction to this, uh, and maybe you heard about it. They had the toy fair this weekend, and w- they had a huge, huge uh, two and a half hour presentation from the Hasbro CEO, with a lot of it being focused on magic. I don't know if I've ever seen them talk more about arena and magic uh, in a presentation, uh, someone from Hasbro, than this presentation. But the most interesting thing that came out to me is there are two new digital products in the pipeline that are coming out soon. One is Project M, and it seems to be like a, I don't know, uh, some sort of multiplayer battling game that's coming from an outside studio. The more interesting one was uh, product, Project Blitz, which is a magic game, a CTG that is designed specifically for mobile. So, uh, have you guys heard of this, and what do you make of the fact that Wizards is building a mobile magic CCG when Arena, we've, uh, it was supposed to come out on mobile, but then we haven't, we've got some, like, weird, non-committal, like, oh, we're working towards release, we're on Unity, so we could do this eventually, but no real, like, okay, it's coming to mobile on this date, or even, like, 100%, it's gonna be on mobile by release or anything. So what do you think of this new product, and what do you think it means for Arena coming to mobile, or does that not even matter at all? Oh, I'm excited to see how they, the, the mobile... Uh, app can handle like board states, uh, like ridiculous tokens and a bunch of land. So I'm more excited to see how, how they handle that. And, uh, like, and if, if like this is actually going to be a direct link to arena, like, well, will it just be like how on like Hearthstone I can log onto my computer or my phone in my account and have all the same cards? That's mostly, or is it going to just be an entirely separate product? It sounds like from Seth's description, it's separate, right? Is- I'm, I'm trying to imagine. What a magic themed CCG would look like that's not actually magic, like Magic Arena. And I can't, I can't think of it, right? Like, why would you build this? Either you would build Magic Arena on mobile, which you would, you know, everyone is expecting this to happen, or you would just go in a different space, like Puzzle Quest <laughs> or, you know, a fighting game or, you know, something like that, right? But like, how could you build a second CCG? It's got to be, like, dumbed-down magic, but, like, what does that even look like? Yeah, it's it's confusing to me, because I don't know... I don't know why you would build two digital CCGs if it really is full, normal magic. Like, why not just figure out how to make a arena, which is already getting so much hype and support, why not just figure out how to make that work on mobile? Why make people, like, have a completely different game, download a different game, build another collection? Uh, but like you, I struggle to see, uh, unless they're going to do, make it even more Hearthstoneian, where it, like, limits the number of things you can have on board, uh, and, and stuff like that, no, to make it's... it, like, magic adjacent, but make it work on mobile more than magic would? It's, it's got to be like really different from arena it, i don't think it can be close to arena because otherwise they would just release arena so i'm i'm thinking something like 
like the candy crush of CCGs. I don't even know what that is, right? Like something super dead simple where you don't really need, you know, it wouldn't be even close to Hearthstone because that's already too complex, right? If you're building Hearthstone, then you've kind of built arena. So like, what is the point? So I feel like it's like you just have a planeswalker, you cast spells and then you win a loot box. Like, I don't know. It's gotta be something like really fast. But yeah, that's weird and confusing. I don't know. They're really trying to cash in on this uh, this arena do you, hype. Do you think it's a but, bad sign for arena coming to mobile? Or is that just reading too much into it? No. I think we're reading too much into it. I think it's still happening. I, I think your $10 million, you know, mythic championship money sh- should be all you, you know, all that we're looking at for whether or not this is coming to mobile, right? Like if they're willing to hype it up like this, it means they're making a lot of money. So mobile would be the next step. So I believe this is extra in addition. I don't think they're taking people off the arena team to go work on this. Uh, it's interesting. Uh, definitely exciting to see how that stuff actually turns out. And hopefully, uh, we get more details soon because, uh, I mean, I guess more digital products is probably a good thing, especially if they're good. Anyway, uh, any other thoughts on anything before we jump into our fish mail segment? All right, Richard, fish mail us. All right. If you have questions, send them to at MTG Goldfish with the hashtag MTG Fish Mail, and we'll get to your questions on air. Martin Lev, in light of last week's discussion on Commander, do you have any experience with Canadian Highlander as a format? 1v100 card singleton using the vintage ban list and a point system rather than a ban system for limiting the use of busted cards. I really like the idea of uh, Canadian Highlander. I think the point system is really cool, and I, I really like the idea of what that adds to deck building, but I haven't played it. It's not officially supported on Magic Online, so it's not an easy format for me to just uh, actually test out. But I, th- it sounds like a really cool format that I would enjoy. I had never even yeah, heard. It sounds the rules. closer. Oh, you never heard of the rules? No, I didn't. So I think it's closer to like Vintage than Commander, right? Because it's one v one. But basically, you have points. I've got it's like ten or eleven or something, and then like a Black Lotus is worth three, a Mox is worth two or something. Uh, so you can put powerful cards in your deck, but you can't jam them all in because you'll hit your point limit. So you need to pick and choose what cards you want. Uh, the problem, like Seth said, it's not available on Magic Online. I don't own any power, so <laughs> I can't play it. Like that, that's it, right? Like it's too expensive, and it's a pretty niche format. So it's it's for people that already have all these cards, right? And then they can just play. I, I doubt someone's just buying this whole deck just to it reminds me a little bit of old school in that regard where it seems fun and nostalgic but it's for a pretty limited uh number of players who happen to have their cards from back in the day because i can't imagine too many people are going to go out and buy the power nine specifically for highlander and before someone gives me a budget list (laughs) right the whole appeal appeal of this is to play with the old cards it's like playing like unpowered uh fish or something in, in vintage you're like you could do it but the whole point is to be slinging like Moxin and Black Lotuses, right? That's kind of the fun of playing these old formats. I do really like the point system idea, and I think it maybe it would be cool to adapt that to 
modern or something where you don't have the availability issues. Uh, it reminds me of like some fantasy sports games where you get like a salary cap and you have to make the best choices possible without going over like the budget of your salary cap and players have a different like value assigned to them. Uh, it kind of reminds me of that. So I think it's it adds a really cool uh, fact uh, tension to deck building where like I'm looking at the point list. Black Lotus is seven points. So you can play Black Lotus, but it's going to eat up most of your available points. Instead, for those seven points, you could get, like, a dig-through time is one point, a balance is one point, uh, intuition is one point. So you could play a bunch of cheaper spells that are less points, or one really powerful, potentially game-winning spell. So I really like the deck-building twist of it. All right, next question. Flying Zebra. Krim is right to play the new border's Shadow Mage Infiltrator. I only play cards in Commander that have a modern border printing, since otherwise the deck looks inconsistent and off-theme. So many staples I can't play because of it. Oh, see, I, see, I told you. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm the opposite. I, I mean, I don't take it so far as to not play something based on a border, but my default is to old border the oldest version possible for everything. Yeah, like I see, I Johnny Magic sheds a tear. <laughs> Look, I still appreciate Johnny Magic, and I still appreciate, I still like love my Shadow Mage Infiltrator. But if I'm building a Demir deck and I want everything to look Demir, you know, like, come on, <laughs> come on. All right, all right, you win the flavor argument. Yes. <laughs> Why zero agrees? <laughs> I, I um, <laughs> Next up, Swords Tool. If I start Magic Arena now, will I lose cards when the beta ends? Um, there are no more wipes. Yes, so no. Uh, there is rotation, just like there is in paper, uh, but you won't actually lose the cards, but it might be harder to play some of those cards once they rotate from standard, but you will not lose cards from your account anymore. Yeah, they call it beta, but this thing is yeah. live. It's like how Gmail was in beta for like 80 years or something <laughs> like this. <laughs> it's beta, but we're having $10 million of championships on it. And, you know, like it, it, it's live. And they've already promised us no more collection wipes. So you should be good to go. Yeah. Uh, Clasp 2. Do you think Hydroid Crassus is a problematic card? Mana base allows for it to be played in almost... Uh, every deck with zero downsides, and I can't see clean answers to it. Looks like Thrag Tusk meets Sphinx's Revelation and the Eldrazi's Blessed Marriage. I mean, it's a, it's a good card, and I definitely underrated it during spoiler season, but I don't think for me it's to the point where it's problematic at this point. It's just a good card for me. I think it's a very powerful card, but it's definitely nowhere near bannable or anything like that. And I mean, it takes a lot of mana to be good. It's not a card that you can just... Uh, it doesn't win the game quickly. It's probably the best finisher in standard, but you still got to get up to like 8 mana, 10 mana for it to really be devastating. Or 4 mana Wilderness Reclamation. <laughs> Thankfully, it doesn't have flash. Oh, goodness. That, I, I, <laughs> that it might be bannable if you could flash it in. That would actually just be Sphinx's rep who can, like, attack you. <laughs> Joshua C. 5704. What was the sequence of events that caused Richard to go from legacy spike to filthy casual? <laughs> I'm actually curious about this. What? You've been with me the entire journey, Seth. You <laughs> you have witnessed this transformation. I think it was... I actually it's just know. like a a slow natural process there i i don't remember there being any event where you're like oh, i hate modern jund or i hate legacy 
he just kind of like started doing commander clash and just drifted in that direction yeah I, the, the website has a huge fortune to do so originally when the first version of goldfish which was never released was me building like a magic simulator to figure out the optimal number of cards to play like that's how spiky it was <laughs> right like like I, I decided to spend like 15 hours or something building something to like optimally figure out like should i have four lightning bolts or three lightning bolts right but anyway i well why i stopped playing legacy was simple i moved from seattle to california so in seattle it was really easy for me to play legacy and a lot of people play legacy there so that was the uh, begrudgingly okay i'll play modern modern sucks but whatever. hey that's how There's i met no you legacy, so. <laughs> I was like, why am I casting, uh, what's the bad preordained? Uh, Serum Visions. I'm like, every time I cast a Serum Visions, I want to just like cry. I'm like dying inside, right? I'm like, this card is so bad. <laughs> and then uh, I played a lot of Modern and then Modern was the hotness. And I'm like, yeah, we'll jund him out and you know, we'll jund this and jund that. And Serum Visions is a great card. I'll even play Saltai because I want to cast Serum Visions for some reason. <laughs> and then, I don't know, it just got harder and harder to go to FNM. So I stopped playing FNM, stopped playing Modern, and just started playing more Commander, I guess. And Commander's where the true fun happens, <laughs> I believe. So, and I don't know, just life happened, like working and, and stuff. It's just hard to be, spend enough time to be quote-unquote good at magic, right? Like to spend a weekend and to fly to a Grand Prix somewhere is no longer acceptable to me. I'd rather just uh, turn on arena, light up the stage for 30 <laughs> minutes and then call it a day as opposed to spend literally like four days as you fly out to somewhere, stay overnight, play 12 hours of magic, which I can no longer play by the way, after like three rounds, I'm tired, <laughs> right? And then like do it again if you day two and then go back home, right? It's just like a lot of effort, so. Have you? Playing one game of Commander Clash is Have much better. Have you got to the point where you're building filthy, casual Commander decks in paper yet, or no? No, I have a couple. I have a couple, but I, I don't play Commander in paper yet. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not all the way there yet. So. That'll be the, the <laughs> next step. Yeah. I, so one year from now, I'll be like, guys, the guild kits just came out, and have you played? Have you tried this Planeswalker deck? It is like so good. It's like a fifteen mana Planeswalker, but you can make a thirty thirty, right? Like that. That will be me soon enough. Right? And that is the beauty of Magic. Where right? I can play Magic uh, on the spectrum of like, you know, no time investment, just hop in any time. Versus like, I want to spend. 40 hours a week 50 hours a week playing magic there's some part of magic for me so so i i like my filthy casual status it's good <laughs> honestly 30, I, I think you're, you're you've got an influence on me now because i've i've, I've <laughs> oh, started to build more Krim, EDH the tournament decks. grinder <laughs> i don't know why i'm just like building more edh decks now it's probably commander clash it's it's the natural progression uh -oh. <laughs> you're like there's a better thing to be doing than casting force of wills <laughs> Well, hold it's on. Playing Haunt of High Towers, <laughs> I, 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 but I want to cast Force of Will also in EDH. <laughs> mm, that will change over time, my friend. Oh no! <laughs> uh, all right, next question. Cra Crazy Three Drew, you mentioned this week Johnny Magic's card. Do you think going forward they should do this more, or why did they stop it? Using the winners or top eight on Magic cards for new sets would give exposure, and it's a nice piece of history. <sighs> I would love to see Invitational cards return. I think it's such a cool prize. I think it's something that 
people would be really hyped for, too, if you did a tournament for it. And we've seen, like, these invitational tournaments being something Wizards is uh, kind of bringing back. These big invite tournaments with lots of money, like the one at PAX uh, East coming up. So I would love hey. to see the return of invitational cards. <laughs> That'd be really cool. That would be absurdly cool to see invitational cards. I, I know, as I said that I want to use the, the, the new Shadow Mage <laughs> Infiltrator, but uh, look... <laughs> There's something for everybody. <laughs> I do. I the, do. The think problem is they're cool. off theme. They're off theme, and people like it, it doesn't match like the art direction or whatever. Like Magic now is very. Di- Remember back in the day, you had like the cartoony things <laughs> and the weird fantasy art, and like you had all kinds of hodgepodge of styles, so it was fine. But nowadays, they want everything to look a certain way, so I think it's hard. But I do think they. I don't know how they like. You can make a land or something that's like Peach Garden Oath or something. I don't know. Like, there's some way to do it to, like, fit it in. But it, it's, like, very difficult. So I don't think they're going to do it. Uh, next question. Razerker, have you been keeping up with the Activision Blizzard news? What's your opinion on how magic may be affected if Activision Blizzard cuts funding for Hearthstone? Uh- Wait, what? They're cutting funding so, for Hearthstone? So I, I, from, I think they fired a ton of people, right? After from, a profitable year? Something like that? Yeah, that's... Uh, I've read a little bit on it. Basically, Blizzard uh, slash Activision made a bunch of money last year, but still laid off 8% or so of their workforce. Although, uh, I don't think from what I've read, any of that comes from actual game development. It's more the esports and marketing and stuff like that. Not that that makes it any better for the people that lost their job, but I don't think they are really pulling any support from Hearthstone at this point, uh, from what I can tell. So, uh, I don't think it has a huge impact on Wizards or on Magic, and it feels like Wizards and Hasbro is pretty all-in, or very in-on Arena at this point, so I don't expect there to be any uh, immediate consequences from that. I just feel bad for the people, especially after a very profitable year to lose your job. That's a that's rough yeah all right next question competitive non set do you think you have brewed more decks than richard has played games of john oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, probably not may i don't know how long have you been doing this four uh, years five years four ish years i think four years and like we'll call it three decks a week uh, <laughs> 150 decks a year 600 decks have I played more than 600 games of Jund? Let's see. One FNM would be, let's say it's four rounds at two games each. One FNM is eight. So in a year, uh, you'd have like 200? It's kind of close. I don't know. I think I'll maybe. probably, I will probably get there eventually since you're not playing Jund and I'm still making decks. So maybe in another couple of years, I'll pass you. Oh, do I need to play Tarmac? <laughs> you're going to have to play Jund just so I, I Bless your heart, you. Richard. Bless your heart. <laughs> oh, it, it, it feels so bad. Okay, anyway, we won't, we won't talk about Jund. <laughs> uh, Captain Wow 26. Why hasn't Timir or Saltai been successful in modern? Also, what is the best breakfast food? Oh, hmm. I do like breakfast foods. Breakfast foods are the best foods. Uh, what is... I'm going to say omelet. I really like omelets. They have a little bit of all the good breakfast foods in them. I, I would go with waffles, but I don't like breakfast. Ooh. I, I would eat <laughs> breakfast for dinner if I could. I I actually do not like it at all. 
So would you eat? So you wouldn't eat breakfast food for lunch and call it like a brunch? No, I don't do brunch either. <laughs> right? like, I don't do no. brunch either. Because <laughs> I know people that don't wake up early and eat. Like they don't want to eat at eight a.m., but they'll be willing to eat at like say one p.m. and eat bacon <laughs> or bacon and eggs or something. Right? Yeah, you're not gonna catch me eating bacon and eggs at like one p.m. either <laughs> or eight p.m. or whatever time. Wow. Like I will. Ha- I, I I do like. <laughs> Bacon. Do you wake up in the morning and eat like a, a steak? Like, what, do you, <laughs> what, do you, what does your first meal of the day look like? Uh, a- actually, the funny story is back when I was uh, on the the road doing the music stuff, and we'd ha- we'd stop early. Everyone would go in to like go into like a Denny's or something, right? Like that's wherever we were stopping. I would just get spaghetti, <laughs> spaghetti, <laughs> wow. spaghetti at like eight in the morning. Let's go, <laughs> load them up. <laughs> <laughs> I do that too, but sometimes out of laziness. Oh no, no, it's like, not. We that. have leftovers. <laughs> we have leftovers, <laughs> like whatever. This is now breakfast. Spaghetti, steak, you know, whatever. Give, give me, <laughs> give me that. I'll take that for breakfast. As far as Salty and Teamer and Modern, I think it, uh, those color combinations do show up. We just played like Salty Wilderness Reclamation. Uh, some like Scape Shift X are Teamer. So there, there are those color combinations. But as far as like what you would think of those decks in standard showing up in modern, I think they're just a little bit fair is the biggest problem. Those color combinations, you get a lot of good value cards, but you end up with just like a worse version of Jund or one of the, the best fair decks in the format. I... Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure these color combinations sound like color combinations that Krim has destroyed me with. So I'll let him, I'll let him describe these random blue-based decks that are not popular. Okay, in modern blue. Okay, Teamer was not good. Okay, I'll retire the Teamer one. Okay, I, 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 I put that one to rest. All right, but but the thing here is Saltai. I think is still sweet. I actually. Saltai might just be the perfect middle ground between you and I, Richard. Right. You still do the Tarmogoy things, right? But you still play Snapcaster things. So why not? And you still play Jace the Mind Sculptor and Liliana of the Veil. It's it's every it's both of our decks just literally thrown together, Richard. I don't I don't <laughs> yep. I I think it's yep. it's actually kind of playable. I mean, I I see Saltai probably doing better than than Jund, to be honest. Yeah, because Black has all the Tarmogoyfs you need between Gurmog, Angler, Tassiger, and Death Shadow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, why why play this 4-5 that's, like, useless? And in fact, your Tassiger assassinates the, the Tarmogoyf by delving away everything and <laughs> making it a 0-1. <zero> <laughs> so, so sad face for Tarmogoyf. And then you... But, yeah, Saltai. Saltai is interesting. The question is, is it better than Jeskai or, you know, whatever the predominant control or mid-range deck is but i think it's playable Je- but see jeskai is still like a little more on the controlly side but this one you trade your burn spells and a a ton of counter spells for i guess and like you know counter spells and whatnot for like more discard spells and stuff like that so you get to do that and you get to i mean play assassin's trophy which is oddly pretty fun in modern i've been enjoying it all right last question Johnny Vipers, how do you feel about an arena-only set? A set similar to Unset, where it's only drafted, and this set would specifically be played on arena. I mean, they already did that kind. Well, not a set, but they had already arena exclusive cards. I I don't I don't like which are technically legal in arena standard, by the way. They are (laughs) right, but they're they're so bad. Like they are so bad. (laughs) I I tried to force one like to work, Uh, and they're so bad. 
Re- remember Nexus of Fate? Yeah, right? yeah. Like well, <laughs> one day <laughs> they're gonna build something and it's gonna be all the rage. <laughs> so yeah. See I, that one is one where like if if it becomes all the rage, where like Seth talked about it earlier, transitioning to paper, they're like, well, I have this amazing arena exclusive based deck that is doing really well, but I can't do it in paper. Yeah, that's that's my concern. I could see it happening. I don't think it's impossible, but I don't really like it. I think I like my digital magic to mirror my paper magic. So I'm not a big fan of the idea of it. Maybe if it wasn't actually legal and it was like an unset that you did for random draft events and stuff, it would be fine. But I wouldn't like it if the cards were, if you had a whole set of cards that were legal on arena that weren't legal in paper. All right. So we're we're out of time, but I want to put this last thought with you guys. So suppose you're an arena player, okay? And you spent $100 on arena. Right. And you were spending, uh, you were planning on spending an additional hundred dollars. Do you think wizards would rather you spend that hundred dollars on paper magic or on arena? Um, I, I mean, I guess arena that I assume they the make answer's more money be arena, than, right? on, on arena, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess that's true. So that means. They're not necessarily trying to funnel people into paper magic, right? Like, they want to keep them on arena that's making them money and growing the thing. So, the problem is like, that's just an interesting thought that just came up. The problem is, paper magic has been around 25 years, and digital games tend to have pretty short lifespans. So, while from a short term perspective, you probably make more money in Q1 of 2019 with $100 on Arena. Uh, over the next 25 years, you probably make more money by getting players addicted to a paper game that is uh, going to stick around for a while, presumably. See, I was actually going to say that I would spend that $100 on paper because I already spent it on Arena. But I don't know. Ooh. Interesting, interesting thought to cap off our fish mail there. Uh, if you have questions, you can send them in at MTG Goldfish with the hashtag MTG Fish Mail, and we'll get to your questions on air. And I think that that brings us to the end of episode 211 of the Goldfish Podcast. So, Richard Kripp, thanks for hanging out. Thanks to everyone for listening. And one more time, thank you to Spikes Academy for supporting the show. You can get 10% off at spikesacademy.com with the code Goldfish. So, next week, we will be back to break down all all the happenings from the Pro Tour and anything else that happened in the Magic world over the week. So, until then, this is the crew signing out.